Welcome to the Fandom Menace Show with your host, Anthony Ergo, a.k.a. Ruin the Man Baby. Hello and welcome to the Fandom Menace Show. My name's Anthony Ergo. You may know me as Ruin the Man Baby, the man behind the mask on YouTube and on Twitter and proud member of the Fandom Menace community. So what is this all about? This is a brand new Star Wars show and podcast, but really it's to give a voice to the people within the Fandom Menace. And each week we'll have a different guest on. We'll talk Star Wars, past, present and future. We'll talk about everything that's going on within Star Wars. And one thing I will absolutely guarantee is that you will get 100% genuine, real, honest opinions It's a shill-free zone. There is no worrying about saying anything negative because we might lose our press passes because we don't get press passes. We're not paid. We have full control over our show. We are not lurking in the mentions of Ryan Johnson and all the other Lucasfilm head honchos. Instead, we're just huge Star Wars fans. We're very passionate. We love Star Wars, but we're not willing to just accept anything with Disney Lucasfilm slapped over it. So... I hope you're ready for some truth bombs, some honesty, and some humour. Lots of humour. In fact, we've got things like the Man Baby Challenge, where you will be grilled on The Last Jedi in the hope that you know absolutely nothing about it. But without further ado, let's get into it and meet our first guest on The Fandom Menace Show. So, my guest today is Matthew Kadish. Now, Matthew is the author of the Earthman Jack saga. He's also uh, spent over a decade in Hollywood. He's been involved with a movie with Jeremy Renner. He has a daily blog. He has a YouTube channel as well. And he is a huge fan and a deep thinker on Star Wars. So, welcome to the show, Matthew. Thank you for having me. No problem, my friend. So, Star Wars your first memory of Star Wars. Where did it all start for you? Well, um, so I was born in 1978. I was was a baby uh, when Star Wars kind of first hit the zeitgeist. But uh, when I was uh, kindergarten aged, uh, my father, who was in the Air Force, was stationed over in Germany. And so me and my family were out in Germany and living on base. And the only like English language TV that they had was just stuff that the local base station ran. And that was mostly like news, and so my mom had friends of the family back in the United States uh, record stuff for us and, and send them over to, uh, to Germany so we could have stuff to watch. And one of my dad's friends somehow made this like VHS bootleg of A New Hope uh, uh, when it like, you know, hit the, the video rental stores. And so we had uh, this one like adult science f- fiction movie, which was A New Hope. And all these, uh, you know, cartoons for me and my my younger brother. And because it was the only English language movie we had, I must have watched that thing like a thousand times. <laughs> you know, like it, like my dad would just pop it in, he'd have it playing in the background, and I'd sit there, and and I would, I was just captivated by this movie. And it was something that, like, I we literally broke the VHS tape. We played it so much. And then I found out that there were like two sequels to it. And I was like, no way. <laughs> there are two more. And so um, once I found out about that, I, I asked my, de- my parents, I was like, can you please like get, get us copies of, you know, the Star Wars sequels? 
And so they did. They they uh, bought the the VHSs for it, and uh, watched uh, Empire Strikes Back, which blew my mind. <laughs> and then I watched Return of the Jedi. I was like, ah, oh, that was okay. Do you ever think how differently life might have been if he'd brought home a different movie? <laughs> you kind of not, not lucked really. out a little bit there. <laughs> I, I I did luck out, yeah. Like uh, you know, he could have brought home Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, or something like that. Um, who knows? But uh, it was Star Wars, so it was meant to be. So a slightly different experience. I mean, it's interesting talking to you because we have a, quite a few things in common. Firstly, we're similar age. Secondly, obviously, massive Star Wars fans. Thirdly, we're both authors. My experience is is similar in that I, I you know I had the you know the VHS um, movies and, and I'd watch them, but I don't have a, a clear. It sounds to me like you had a you know you, you watched them in in the right order. You know you obviously watched the first one and then you heard about the um, the two follow ups. I just recall being really young and watching all three, but in no particular order. I probably watched Jedi the most actually. Which made no sense at all, and then I kind of flipped between them. But uh, again, just because of the same age, did you ever have any of the toys, the the figures? You know, we kind of you know grew up in that kind of era. Oh, I had buckets of Star Wars really? toys. Buckets <laughs> like uh, um, we used to have like the little micro machine, uh, like sized uh, model toys. Um, so like they were, they were like these like cast iron Star Wars figures that were, were painted. And then you have these like mini, uh, sets that you could play with them on. Like we had those, we had the, the, you know, classic Kenner toys. Um, we had the, 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 the TIE fighter, the Millennium Falcon, like we, we had everything, uh, because I just loved it. I love Star Wars. And so I'd always, you know, be asking for the toys and, uh, that like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Ghostbusters, uh, He-Man, uh, but uh, Star Wars toys were always like a big part. I kind of wish that uh, my parents had kept some of them in their original packaging because I could probably pay off my mortgage with that yeah. uh, nowadays. But um, no, we played with all of them. And I think eventually my parents just sold them off in a garage sale or something like oh, that. But, I, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I sold all mine for camping equipment. <laughs> which is just such but, a terrible thing to do yeah like me and my brothers especially like we go to our friends houses and uh you know they would have their star wars toys and we bring our star wars toys and we'd play and uh you'd have like uh like the the darth vader with the uh lightsaber that comes out of you know you slide the lightsaber yes. up out of his arm yeah. and he's got like the the crappy plastic like cape type thing that you put around his shoulders and it always broke and you'd have to like tape it up and like you know, <laughs> until it broke again and stuff and uh, yeah, there was a lot of a uh, lot of fond memories growing up with the uh, with those. So, but the big thing was the Millennium Falcon. I think at one point we lost the top of the Millennium Falcon because you know you, could, you have the top yeah, that you yeah. take it off to play yeah. and then you put the top back on, and we lost that top. So it was just like constantly open. So it kind of ruined some of the uh, imagination stuff. But uh, you know, uh, we. You know, we still played a lot of hours with that that toy. Oh yeah, I, I lost the top, the the cockpit, the lid off the cockpit, the the dish. Yeah, you know anything which was detachable. Well, my favorite was was the Tie Fighter because you could literally like pop the wings off. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Like, the, wing, the wings would just go bloop, and then you had like the the opening which you know the the cockpit opening which go like this, and the doors would always break off. You'd have to like jam them back on. <laughs> So we, we put our toys through a, through a lot of stuff, but lots of hours playing with those yeah, things. Yeah, I know, fond memories. I think that my favorite ever Christmas was the, the Christmas I got the Ewok Village 
and oh, nice. I, oh, I, I, uh, no, I got the the ATAT first of all off my parents, which was mind blowing, and then at the Christmas evening we went to see my grandparents, and they got me the Ewok Village, and I was just blown away because I had the ATAT attacking the Ewok Village, not exactly you know movie accurate, but yeah, lots of fun. One of the Star Wars things that had the most impact on me. So like, I mean, growing up, like we we'd get the Star Wars comic books and we'd watch mm -hmm. like droids and I think like the Ewok cartoon. Um, but uh, the the expanded universe books, like when, once I hit my teens and I, I got into reading, those were like huge uh, things for me in terms of like influencing uh, me as a storyteller. I, I can remember reading the uh, Thrawn trilogy for the first time and that blew me away it was such a good story such a good book so it, it picked up right where the movies left off and it was like the sequel i always wanted and never thought really? i'd get by the time i would start reading those um you, you know uh, star wars was just three movies and there was no indication that lucas was going to make the prequels or anything like that like he kind of teased the idea but he never actually like followed through with it and so to me like once I got my hands on the Thrawn trilogy, I, I was like, oh yeah, I'm back in Star Wars. This is new stuff. This is awesome. And then I just, you know, I would read every Star Wars book that came out and I uh, got really in, into uh, like the, the Yuuzhan Vong invasion. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but uh, that's how I pronounce it. Um, and that whole storyline and uh, just, uh, it was, you know, uh, the books, out of all the, out of all like the extraneous stuff uh, outside of the movies, those were probably the biggest influence on me. And of course, I'd buy like every Star Wars video game that came out, and you know, comic books and toys and stuff like that. But the books, out of all of them, were uh, were something special because like they were actual stories that you could lose yourself in um, that were different from the movies. So that's interesting. So the, the people who maybe haven't delved into the the EU as much like myself actually and this is why it's really interesting to talk to people like you who, who have what would you recommend if they wanted to now delve back into it and because we, we are in a unique time where the kind of fan base is split and there's a lot of people not happy with the disney approach and we're going to get into that later but yeah what what would be a good starting point i mean you've mentioned the the throne books i've heard a lot of good things about them is that a good start point yeah definitely um basically uh when disney took over they um kind of uncanonized all the all the current books that were out because they were going to change stuff mm. and go in their own direction and so these books are kind of like orphans now they don't really uh they're, they're not officially recognized but if you discount all the sequel trilogy movies that disney has done um all four of them as of this recording i believe um and you just look at uh the original trilogy as you know, like this is where we're coming from, then the, the Thrawn books are a perfect follow-up to that. Like they have all the original characters come back. Um, it kind of picks up where uh, you see what happens with the New Republic and, you know, the New Jedi Order and, you know, uh, Luke uh, training other Jedi and Han and Leia and their kids and uh, all this stuff. And then like the Empire coming back and kind of starting trouble. And it's... It, it would have been the perfect follow-up, you know, if Disney had just said, look, we're just going to turn Thrawn into the new trilogy of movies and that's what we're yeah. going to do. Like, I think every Star Wars fan would have been perfectly okay with that. Even if they knew the yeah. story, they'd been like, yes, okay, this is great. Um, so to me, the real sequel trilogy is the Thrawn trilogy because like Timothy Zahn, the guy who wrote those books, 
absolutely nailed it. Absolutely. Like he got, he got all the magic that the star Wars movies had and put it on the page. And I can't, I can't speak highly about those, uh, those books enough. So sticking on books, have you read anything in the, should we call it like the Disney era? Have you read Chuck Wendig? He says with a straight face, aftermath novels or uh, Claudia Gray, is it? Um, any of that stuff? I have not simply because <laughs> um, like, I don't like having to read books in order to understand what's going on in a movie. And so I kind of resented yeah. the, the books that were coming out um, of the, you know, The Force Awakens and stuff like that. So I never bothered to read those. And um, but I have seen like videos where people read the books uh, or pieces of the books, uh, you know, and uh, uh, Mr. Wendig, um, you know, I, I don't like to badmouth other authors, but, uh, you know, his, his writing style was not to my liking. So I've just That's never fair. bothered to, to follow up on that. In, in an effort to be positive, because I've I've actually read all of the the aftermath novels. Uh, oh there's wow! Some interesting... Yeah, no, I do. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be those are the books you choose to read, huh? If you can, <laughs> you can have an opinion, I'll, I'll explain why. I liked The Force Awakens when it first came out. This is something which I'm really keen to to talk to people about within the fandom menace because. I know there's lots of different opinions. Some people just completely reject anything and everything Disney have done. Others are like, well, I like The Force Awakens. It kind of just fell off the cliff after The Last Jedi. I'm in the, the kind of boat now, whereas originally, I, and I accept it was, you know, it, it was a kind of a safe approach. There was a lot of fan service. I get all that. But I thought it was a, a decent enough job to, to get me back into it. I think I was riding the, the, the wave of nostalgia and it was like Star Wars is back. And so it was off the back of that, really. I then sort of interested in all these, these books. Where I am now is I can't really go back and watch Force Awakens because I know what comes next. So it, it's just tainted, unfortunately. But I, I do have to say, I have to be honest, that I did, I did enjoy it. I, I don't think you were alone in that. I think a lot of people... Mm loved the force awakens i know when i first saw it i i was over the moon because it was basically it was the movie i grew up loving uh you know it, it was a new hope basically yeah um and it was a fun movie and i like to say that with the exception of the last jedi all of the disney star wars movies if you turn your brain off while you're watching them they're enjoyable like i enjoyed solo as long as i don't think about it too much i enjoyed rogue <laughs> one as long as i don't think about it too much uh, the Force Awakens, I can still enjoy, even though like it has stuff that drives me crazy. If I can just kind of turn the critical factor of my brain off, Force Awakens is is still a fun, enjoyable uh, popcorn movie. The you know the Last Jedi is the only movie where like even if I turn my brain off, I still can't ignore how bad the decisions in that movie were. You know I. I don't think you're alone in in you know yeah. kind of writing that that nostalgia wave. If those movies, if the people making those movies had just paid a little bit more attention to the writing, uh, they they could have been a lot better. Like I disagree fundamentally with so much that J.J. Abrams kind of set up and pretty much everything that Ryan Johnson did with his setup. Um, that it it's really hard for me to enjoy all the new Star Wars stuff. So I have to go back to the original series if I want to kind of recapture my enjoyment with that yeah and and you know i definitely want to get into this and i, I hope what people will take from this is that, that this is two authors you know people who've put a lot of years into writing and thinking about writing and devising characters and plots and storylines and so on yeah in addition to that i'm also a filmmaker i went to film school i worked in hollywood i made movies 
Um, so I, I know how the sausage is made. So when I, when I look at a movie like The Last Jedi, I'm like, okay, I know why they chose to do it this way, but I disagree with the choice to do it that way in the first place. And, you know, like I've been in situations where, you know, uh, I was in very contentious arguments, uh, passionate disagreements with other filmmakers, uh, either during film school or, you know, working on a project or what have you. And, uh, you know, there, there were times where I was in writer's rooms where, you know, people came together to, you know, talk about scripts and to throw around ideas and stuff like that, where people almost came to blows, you know, like wow. fisticuffs uh, over disagreements on, you know, storytelling and, and things like of that nature. And one of the things I know for a fact is that in Hollywood, you don't need any special training to be a writer. You can be some guy's roommate's cousin. They're like, hey, can you write 80 pages by Tuesday? And he's like, yeah, sure. And then boom, he gets a screenwriting credit. So a lot of a lot of writers who work in Hollywood don't really have the training that people like you and I might. So, you know, movies, they're, they're a real crapshoot. But when you have someone like Ryan Johnson, who's objectively an auteur filmmaker, which means that he writes, directs, and produces his stuff, so it's yeah. truly his vision, you have no one else to blame that on but him. Like, mm. that was... The Last Jedi is all Ryan Johnson. And so like that's that was his vision. And no one told him otherwise. No one told him he couldn't do what he wanted to do. And so what we saw on that screen in terms of The Last Jedi is all down to him, which is why I can say Ryan Johnson is a terrible filmmaker <laughs> because the proof the proof is on screen. Now I know some people will uh, you know disagree with me on that. That's fine. That's my opinion though. I do not think Ryan Johnson is a talented writer. I do not think he's a talented filmmaker. I think that Leading up to that, his other previous movies, uh, Brick, uh, Brothers Bloom, and uh, Looper, were okay. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't think they were bad necessarily, but they weren't anything amazing. That's why I was so shocked that The Last Jedi was as badly written as it was, because I thought that he might have had some um, measure of talent, just based off the fact that, you know, he's a USC grad. Um, he had some real indie cred. He had directed a couple episodes of Breaking Bad. I think as a director, like, his visual style is very good. Yeah, I'd agree. And he seems to he seems to know how to work with actors pretty well. And people seem to like him when he's on set. But as a storyteller, I feel like he is definitely lacking. And the fact that his ego allows him to attack fans and justify his poor decisions as opposed to actually absorbing criticism uh, makes me lose a lot of respect for him. But I think one of the biggest issues that Disney's Star Wars is dealing with nowadays, especially... Uh, is that they're moving away from their core audience and what their core audience wants and trying to appeal to new audiences at the expense of their old audience. They're not trying to grow it. They're trying to basically throw away what they got and go for a new one. And, and they just end up pissing everyone off because the old fans feel disrespected because they're not getting the type of stories they want. And the new fans don't care. They're just like, eh, whatever. You know, I'm going to go watch you know, infinity war <laughs> or something, you know? So yeah. bas basically it, it, it comes down to like the, this new incarnation of Lucasfilm and, and Disney star Wars doesn't really understand who they're making these movies for. They don't understand who their audience is. And because of that, a lot, a good portion of their audience is rebelling against them because they feel disrespected. And so that to me is the biggest sign that as a storyteller, you're doing something wrong. Like you don't have to cater to your audience. You don't have to do everything that your audience wants you to do, but you should at least try to understand them and entertain them and give them something good. Like, 
you know, my favorite Star Wars movie is Empire Strikes Back, right? And that movie is very dark. It has a, a, a downer of an ending. Mm. Uh, Rogue One had a downer of an ending, you know? Yeah. Um, but those are two of the more celebrated Star Wars movies because they have like real emotional impact on the audience. So I, I think like, it's not a question of like, you know, if you were to ask an audience member, like, would you want to see the bad guys win? Mo you know, the vast majority of them probably say no. But at the same time, it's like when the bad guys win, that makes it when the good guys come back and ultimately triumph so much sweeter because, you know, you saw Thanos wipe out half of the universe, you know, and you're like, oh, that's a bummer. I want to see the, the Avengers get revenge, you know, <laughs> like, like, like that's the type of thing that gets people invested to find out more of the story. So, you know, you, you don't have to cater to your audience, but you, you certainly have to respect them and you have to mm. know uh, what audiences respond to in general so that you can kind of either play off those expectations correctly or, um, you know, give them what they want. And P.T. Barnum, one of the greatest entertainers who ever lived, you know, his saying was, give the audience what they want. And that's true of every storyteller. George Lucas did that, no doubt about it. And th there's also no doubt that Ryan Johnson didn't, certainly for, certainly for a large portion of the fan base. I mean, we are naturally gravitating towards The, the Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson because, it, you know, it's it's really where the fandom menace was born and it's where the, the fandom was split. And I think certainly for me, that was the real change. I mentioned earlier, I... You know, I enjoyed The Force Awakens and I was really looking forward to The Last Jedi. And actually, I specifically remember the trailer really getting me excited for it. They they did this amazing trailer, which suggested some really interesting stuff. And, you know, a lot of what you said earlier on, I'd seen uh, Looper, heard a lot of good things about Ryan Johnson. So I was really looking forward to it. I was there preview night we have in the UK, which is like midnight the night before, something like that. Packed cinema and... You know, the, the Lucasfilm logo comes up and then the scroll and text. I could not be more excited. And then what transpired over the next kind of two and a half hours really just changed how I felt about, oh, I, I don't know if Star Wars is in the right hands anymore. And it took probably a few viewings, if I'm honest. But yeah, I'd, I'd be really interested to know specifically your experience watching The Last Jedi. What was, was there a moment, a specific moment in the film where you kind of thought, oh, this does not look good. So, uh, you know, like you, I went and saw it opening night and I was very hyped for it. Um, I, I would have considered myself a Ryan Johnson fan going into that film because, um, you know, like I liked Looper. I liked Brick. Uh, I liked the episodes of Breaking Bad that he did. I was a huge Breaking Bad fan. Uh, oddly enough, he didn't write those episodes. He just directed them. So <laughs> that's important to note. Um, but I, I had faith in him and I was like, I'm excited to see this new Star Wars movie and because I really wanted to see what the follow-up with uh, The Force Awakens was going to be and I was still kind of um, of the mindset that Disney Star Wars is better than people are giving it credit for at, at this point because um, I, I really liked how Rogue One ended like I felt like the first act of that of Rogue One was very boring uh, the second act was a little bit problematic but the third act really tied it all together and we, like we got that awesome Vader scene where he's just like going through and like murdering people and stuff like that. And it was, it was, you know, a bit of a downer of an ending. So I, I was like, I was like, yeah, Rogue One, I'm into that. So I was kind of coming off that Rogue One high going into uh, Last Jedi. And the opening scene where the bombers are trying to get over the, the um, dreadnought to release those bombs. Yeah. And, you know, she's like, uh, Rose's sister is like falling 
you know, uh, I, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm just like, wait, is there, is there gravity in space? Like, how is this working? So like that, that was the first thing that kind of like worried me, but I, I was like, okay, well, I understand what he's going for. He's going for this World War II bombing run type thing. Uh, you know, like that, that's directly from George Lucas, who kind of modeled the, you know, space fights off of World War II dogfights. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so it's an homage. I can, I can give this a pass. It's stupid, but I'll give it a pass. Um, but that was kind of like the first thing that irked me and, and kind of took me out of the movie. Then we get to Luke and, you know, uh, we pick up right where the Force Awakens left off and Ray's like holding out the lightsaber and, you know, Luke's sitting there like, you know, looking at it and she gives it to him. And then there's that moment where he's like, he throws it over his shoulder. And at first I kind of laughed at that because I was like, oh, haha. And then I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not something Luke would do. And then, um, you know, we get the whole Jake Skywalker thing slowly coming out. I'm like, this isn't the Luke I know. This is kind of sad. I don't like this. And then the thing that was the moment where I, I was like, I hate this movie. I'm not liking this movie. What the hell's going on? Was the Leia Poppin scene where Leia's floating out in space. And all of a sudden she uses the force to kind of like fly back into the ship. I just had so many problems with that. In fact, I, I had to write an entire article on medium.com explaining why that was a bad thing to, to do in the movie um, because it just totally took me out of the movie. And from that point on, I was like picking apart every single little thing that was wrong with this movie and I couldn't enjoy it. And I walked out of that film and I, I was conflicted because I was like, I wanted to like it, but everything they did made it hard to do that. And then upon each further viewing I've done, it's just gotten worse and worse because there is nothing that they did right in that film other than maybe the visuals. Like it's a stunningly, it's a stunning looking movie. Um, but um, visuals are impressive the first couple of times you see them and then they get boring after a while. Story is the thing that stands the test of time, or at least it should. And this story just gets worse and worse every time I watch it. And uh, I don't think I'm alone in thinking that. So that was my experience with The Last Jedi. It was just like the Leia Poppin scenes was, was the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, but everything leading up to that was just like warning sign after warning sign after warning sign. And I was so disappointed walking out of that theater. And I'm still disappointed to this day. And it, that disappointment has given way to anger because <laughs> how, how can you make such a bad Star Wars? Like, it's not just a bad movie. It's a movie that has literally almost destroyed the fandom of this franchise you have people actively rooting for star wars to fail because of how bad this movie was and how disrespectful it was to fans and that is a major problem yeah i mean i, I put out a tweet earlier on because uh rotten tomatoes uh up until uh earlier this year had a one to see score and people could register where they want to see it and they give a percentage score probably remember they got rid of it and i think it was it was off the back of captain marvel actually which scored yep. one of the the lower ones for a big marvel movie it was it was 33% 34% something like that so i just put a tweet out and normally when i do these polls on on the ruin the man baby account it, you know i get a lot of responses and it was star wars episode 9 do you want to see it or do you not want to see it and i think at the latest look it was about 22 percent which okay i know we could say oh yeah based on your following and blah 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 blah. but you know there's still a lot of people i'm hearing who, who are planning to see it or want to see it but that's a, such a shockingly low score and 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just going back to some of your points because, uh, yeah, I, I was ex- felt exactly the same. In the Leia scene, I read the Last Jedi novelization, and I think it was because I felt as though I wanted some answers. Maybe I've missed something. Also, we kept hearing this thing about from certain Lucasfilm personalities and that, yeah, oh, you, you have to read the books. It won't make sense if you don't read the books, which is a load of rubbish because a story has to stand on its own without reading ancillary text. But I, I read the novelization and I specifically focused on the Leia scene because I found that hugely problematic. And what I read in the novelization, uh, also the other scene you mentioned about the the very first one, the space bombers, that's where in the book they tried to explain it. They had uh, magnetized, the bombs had magnetized shells so they'd gravitate towards the, the yeah they come up with all this stuff in the book but the layer scene this is the funniest bit and i presume you've not read it matthew no <laughs> and you've got you've got no plans to so let me fill you in on this so it specifically in the layer scene so she's been blown out the ship there's so many problems with that scene but one of the things that stuck out to me she's floating back towards the ship back through the uh, i guess you call it the bridge area of the ship um which has been destroyed and then in the next court, she's kind of there in the corridor with Poe and, you know, and she's being tended to. And it's like, well, hang on a second. How the hell did they get her back inside the ship, which is the front has just been blown out? Would they not be then sucked out to space? You know, there's no airlock system. How the hell does this work? So in the book, in the novelization, they've somehow written around this. And as Leia is floating back into the ship, she presses a button on the wall an airlock closes behind her, and then they retrieve her back into the ship. I kid you not, as she's floating in, she presses a button on the wall. Well, That's I know that um, <laughs> in, in Rogue One and, and other, they, they kind of uh, set this thing up where when you open up a door in outer space or whatever, there's this like steam that just shoots out of nowhere. And that right. steam is supposedly something that preserves the atmosphere on either side. So when that steam kind of shoots out of the door, uh, it's implied that, um, you know, that's what keeps the, the rest of the ship from depressurizing and into space. My biggest thing is like, it would have been so easy to just justify the Leia Poppins moment. Like all they needed to do was ha- give her like a line of dialogue sometime before, you know, she gets blown out into space where she says, you know, I've spent the last 30 years uh, training in the ways of the force or something like that. Just something to give you an idea that, okay, she's got skills with the Force that we didn't previously know she had. And then that would have made that whole scene justified from a writing perspective. Instead, it comes out of nowhere. It's a complete yeah. deus ex machina. And, you know, when I was first watching that movie in the, in the movie in the theater, I thought, wow, they're actually going to kill Leia this way. And then when she comes back, I was like, you got to be like people in the theater started, I kid you not, laughing out loud. Mm. Uh, one guy yelled, you got to be kidding me. And, and this is like, you know, this is Last Jedi opening night in Las Vegas. You got people from all over the country who come here to vacation and they're, they're going to watch this movie on opening night. And the reaction to the Leia Poppins moment where she opens her eyes and flies back into the ship was unanimously like, is this a joke? And you know that when that happens, you, as a storyteller, you, you done messed up somewhere. Um, and yeah. so like... And like I said, it would have been an easy fix, but they're so incompetent in their ability to tell a good story that it never occurred to them to set up something that you were going to have to pay off later. 
And the entire movie is like that, man. There's so many points in that movie where it would have been a simple fix just to like do it the correct way. And they didn't. And instead you just get a comedy of errors one after the other after the other. And it's frustrating as hell because I want to like the, the movie because it's Star Wars, but it's impossible to because it's so badly done. It is obviously the, the pinpoint moment. And, you know, the, this is where the, the fandom split. And, you know, there's those who, who like The Last Jedi and maybe there's certain people who can just detach themselves so much from you know some of the the flaws and so on and they can just enjoy it at a really high level i mean I'll, I'll tell you this you know even like when we just had the original trilogy and the prequels even the people who didn't like the prequels or were disappointed with the prequels they they could still say i still love star wars yeah like i didn't like the prequels but i'll forgive them for being bad because i love star wars after the last jedi a lot of people are like, I hate Star Wars. I don't ever want to watch Star Wars again. I don't want to have any, I want to sell my toys. I want to stop reading the books. I don't want anything to do with Star Wars. You never saw that with the prequels. Mm. And, you know, even before The Last Jedi came out, like you had people was like, I didn't like The Force Awakens, but you know what, whatever. Uh, I thought Rogue One was kind of boring, but you know what? It had some cool moments to it. I'm still a Star Wars fan. After Last Jedi, people are like, no, I'm no longer a Star Wars fan. And that's the real difference in, in, you know, The Last Jedi versus every other Star Wars movie is like that movie literally caused people to stop being fans of the franchise. That's a problem. We've spoken how we, we were born around the time Star Wars, the first Star Wars was made. We've grown up with it. It's been pivotal in our lives, not just as a form of entertainment, but as, as an inspiration to become writers and storytellers and you know this is what it means to us and we're, we're at the point you're right where a lot of diehard old school fans like us are now saying yeah you know maybe maybe we just have to stick with the originals and and just move yeah. away from this there, and that, that there is no generation of future storytellers and future filmmakers who are going to grow up saying the last jedi inspired me to become a storyteller or a filmmaker this next generation, they're going to be saying like, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. Those are the movies that made me want to become a storyteller and filmmaker. At no point is Disney Star Wars going to inspire a whole generation to want to tell modern mythology stories. You know, like, like that alone is, is failure on a level I never thought I'd see from Star Wars. Is there any hope for Episode Nine? No. Really? I think that, well, I think that best case scenario, it's a decent movie. Um, but it's got like one of the biggest problems with Last Jedi is it felt like an ending. It felt like, yeah. you know, like, like it's not it's not the middle part of a trilogy. It's the ending of a two part you know, story like Force Awakens, Last Jedi, boom, done. So there are so many hurdles that Episode nine has to overcome just to be decent. And plus, like, they have uh, the biggest problem, which is their main character, Ray, is not a character. She's a Mary Sue. She's a perfect uh, character in all ways, and that's not interesting. So there's just so many, like, issues that they've got to overcome for Episode Nine. I just don't see how it's going to happen. I think best-case scenario, people walk out of that theater, and they're like, eh, it was a movie. I'm going to go see Jumanji now. <laughs> You know, um, it's it's not something that's going to stick with people. And unfortunately, like, I don't see it getting any better because you have Benioff and Weiss who are in the pipeline to do their trilogy and 
they were the showrunners on HBO's Game of Thrones, and they're terrible writers. Um, all the good stuff from Game of Thrones came from the source material. It came from an actual writer, George R. R. Martin, who actually sat down and thought this stuff through and developed yeah. it and, and wrote it out in a way that was like cinematic and, and great to adapt. But the minute those guys ran out of stuff to adapt, they started doing their own original fan fiction, basically, and it was terrible. And these are the guys who are going to be doing the next three Star Wars movies, and their writing is going to be bad. Now, I hope the movies are good. I really do. But I don't have any faith in their ability to tell stories. In my opinion, they're just as bad as Ryan Johnson. And then after he's done, Ryan Johnson's coming back <laughs> to do a, another trilogy. And it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you want to kill Star Wars, it's better to just stop making the movies, you know, just instead of giving them to these talentless hacks who are going to run it into the ground. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe they'll wise up, and by the time uh, Ryan Johnson's trilogy's come around, they'll realize that he's not right for it and give it to someone else. But the Benioff and Weiss stuff is definitely happening, and I just don't see that being good. And maybe it's the cynic in me. I know there are a lot of people out there who are still fans of Star Wars, and they they have faith in Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm. I just don't see it. Um, their track record has not been good so far. No, that is absolutely fair. And look, this is this is the reason I want to do this podcast because I um I listen to so many podcasts where I, I don't always feel there's there's an honest honest opinion given, and this is what I'm really keen on doing. You know, and we've talked. Disney's very, not sending me to Galaxy's Edge anytime soon. We are so not can, getting our tickets to Galaxy's Edge or Star Wars <laughs> Celebration. That's not happening. I I think we've we've talked uh, both positively and negatively and critically, and that's how it should be. You know, we 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 should be able to kind of speak honestly and not fear repercussions and and so on. So. Uh, yeah, that was a big motivation, and uh, you know, I appreciate your insights on that. So, this brings us to the part of the show where we do a little thing called the Man Baby Challenge. Are you ready for your Man Baby Challenge, Matthew? I was born ready. <laughs> okay, Matthew Kadish, this yeah. is your Man Baby Challenge now. What are the rules of the Man Baby Challenge? Well, let oh, me introduce you to the rules because they are very important you have to have rules so the point of the man baby challenge is to test whether you are a man baby or a shill if you are a man baby then you'll get most of the questions wrong because you won't know about my perfect movie the last jedi but if you are a shill then you'll get most of the questions correct so i guess being a uh a nasty member of the fandom menace, you will uh, you will get most of these questions wrong, Matthew. But I know you're rather torn because you do like to, uh, you know, come across a knowledgeable chap. So maybe there'll be a few correct answers in there. It we is shall hard see. because I am usually always right. So <laughs> I try to go against my nature. Well, you must you must fight it as best you can. So here we go. So ten questions. All of them on The Last Jedi. So question one, and they, they are all multiple choice, you'll be pleased to know. So question one, complete this Snoke line. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, was it A, something truly special? Or was it B, something extraordinary? I'm going to go with A. You're going with A. You are correct. Oh, well no. done. You are a perfect shill for giving me that answer. Well done, Matthew. So you are 
10% on the scale to being a shill. Moving on, number two. What hand does Ray raise the rocks with? So it's that uh, scene towards the end of my movie where she saves them all by raising the rocks and the, the cave. It's obviously, it's either a left hand or a right hand. Uh, right hand. It's correct, Matthew. Another perfect answer. And he's absolutely devastated. Uh, I think secretly he's watched my movie. Obviously, as I recommended, he's watched it's it multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> okay, number three. How many Praetorian guards were in the throne room? So we want the total number of Praetorian guards. Was it A6 or B8? I'm going to say B. B. You are trying very hard, Matthew. You're correct. Yes. Another <laughs> correct answer. I, either... I, hate, I hate that I knew how many were in there. Either you're... I, I had to think about how to get it wrong. You're, you're uh, either you love the Last Jedi. You're absolutely terrible at uh, guessing the wrong answers. Uh, anyway, I moving on. Like knowledge of film, I can't help it. <laughs> you can't fight against your inner right. film geek. <laughs> okay, number four. Where was Acto shot? Was it A Iceland or B Ireland? Iceland. He's gone for Iceland. The correct answer is Ireland. So, very man-baby-like answer there. You've slipped up on that one. Uh, question five. Are Kylo Ren's trousers above his belly button or below? Now, that's in that famous scene where he's yes. topless, he has his man boobs out, and he has the rather high-waisted trousers. But uh, how high were those trousers? Was it above the belly button or below the belly button? I'm going to say... The man-baby answer is below the belly button. The correct answer is above. So you have given me the man-baby answer. Here's an interesting one. What is The Last Jedi's running time? Is it 2 hours 23 or is it 2 hours 33? 2.33. Is correct. You are a fabulous shill for knowing that, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> This is much harder than people think because you have to think of the right answer and then try and fight your urge to give that and go opposite. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I could have uh, sworn it was actually 220, but uh, <laughs> what do I want? Some people it, say it, it felt like, like five hours. hours. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so that brings you up to 40% chill, Matthew. Oh, we really need to do something about this in the last few. So question seven. How much screen time does Phasma have is it A, 1 minute 50 seconds, or B, 2 minutes 40 seconds? I'm going to go with A. Is correct again. Oh, you are now 50% shill. This is... Brian, uh... Brian Young is whispering in my ear. <laughs> Give me the right, right, right answer. The, the ghost of Brian Young on your shoulder. Okay. All right, last few. Eight. What are Luke's first words to Ray? Is it A... Who are you? Or is it B? What do you want? A. Is correct. Really? This is remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> this is remarkable. You're, you, you, you're going to have to hand in your fandom menace card after this, Matthew. <laughs> I hope you realize that. Um, okay. 
<laughs> okay, oh, number I'll, nine. I'll get a job on StarWars.com. <laughs> you, 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 maybe you'll get your tickets to Star Wars Celebration. Uh, okay, so question nine. What planet is Canto Bite on? Is it A, Cantonica, or is it B, Onderon? Is this is a serious question. <laughs> I, I thought Canto was Bite tricky. was the planet. I'm going to go with A, Cantonica. Is correct. Really? It's correct. Canto Bite is on Cantonica? Are you kidding yes. me? Oh, it's, uh, it certainly is. You know, oh my very creative chap I am when I make these movies. So it's it's a rather bleak 70% shill, Matthew. And going into your last question, can, can you salvage... Can, can Washington be like the, the golden stitch in uh, Harry Potter where <laughs> I, if I get it wrong, all the other stuff is wiped out? I don't I just... think anyone would want me to put my little round head and round hands anywhere near Harry Potter, but uh, nice try. So you, you'll appreciate this as, a, as a, a filmmaker, a film buff, you'll appreciate this question. Question 10, how many screen wipes were in The Last Jedi? Was it A, 19, or was it B, 12? I could have sworn it was zero. I, didn't, I don't remember any screen wipes. I would, I'm going to have to say that as a man baby... I'm thinking 19. Is the incorrect answer. Yes. So you do salvage some uh, man baby <laughs> pride at the end of that. But Matthew, your score in the man baby challenge, you are 70% shill. Now, I don't know whether that's uh, good news or bad, but uh, clearly you know more about The Last Jedi than you'd uh, care to admit. So we will see how you do across this season of challenges. But uh, Old Ruin I, is uh, very proud I feel like of I you. should have tried to be the first to get 100% shell so everyone had something to, to shoot for. At the end of the show, I like to wrap up with uh, my own version of the James Lipton Actors Studio interview where I have a, a kind of a Star Wars take on his, uh, his interview questions. So are you ready for your Star Wars interview? But I'll give it my best shot. Okay, so here we go. This is your Star Wars interview. Matthew Kadish, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Luke Skywalker. And who is your least favorite character? Jar Jar Binks. What is your favorite scene? Uh, the I am your father scene. And what is your least favorite scene? The Leia Poppins scene. What is your favorite weapon, ship, or vehicle within the Star Wars universe? The blue lightsaber. And your least favorite weapon, ship, or vehicle? That's a tough one. If I had to choose one, it would be Captain Phasma's staff, because it makes no sense. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. And... Your least favorite movie? Well, The Last Jedi. Which Star Wars quote, phrase, or noise do you like best? I have a bad feeling about this. What Star Wars profession would you like to attempt? I'd like to be a Jedi. And what Star Wars profession would you not like to do? Janitor. <laughs> and finally... If Force Heaven exists, what would you like to hear Obi-Wan say when you become a Force ghost? Ray isn't here. 
Matthew Kadish, that is your Star Wars interview. So, look, I want to thank you for uh, being a guest on this show. I think it's been fascinating talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. I think we could easily have gone on for many hours about any of the topics we covered. But before we wrap up, I would like to give you the opportunity to tell everyone where they can connect with you, where they can find your books and uh, your YouTube and so on. So please provide us with your links and go-to places on the internet. Well, if you want to check out my skills as an author, you can go to kadishbooks.com. That's K-A-D-I-S-H books.com. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, I'm doing daily updates there. Uh, that's at Kadish Video, K-A-D-I-S-H video.com. And uh, we do, I do a monthly podcast where I, me and two other guests review a different movie or TV show and uh, basically really dive deep into it from a storytelling perspective. So if you're an upcoming writer, or storyteller, or even a filmmaker, and you want some insights into storytelling from people who kind of study this stuff, uh, check that out. You can type in roundtable reviews in, in YouTube and probably find it that way. And I'm very active on Twitter, at Matthew Kadish. Uh, that same goes for Instagram. And I run a Facebook group, eggfbgroup.com. That's eggfbgroup.com. It stands for Evil Genius Guild. And uh, we, in, in that group, we just post about movies, TV shows. So those are the big places where you can find me on the socials. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, if you could stand through my ramblings on this podcast, uh, you know, you'll want some more. So you'll come check me out on all those other sites. Yeah, please do. I'd highly recommend, you know, go follow Matthew on Twitter, check out his YouTube. He's a really, you know, good deep thinker on story. He's got some really interesting opinions and one of the reasons i was keen to get you on as, as one of my first guests matthew is really to to demonstrate that within the fandom menace we've got lots of different voices and people from different backgrounds and authors like yourself who have spent a lot of time within the industry about movies and books and you really understand story and structure and plot and so on so you can really have these informed opinions rather than just being a hater as they like to call us and, and I also like to point out that a lot of people in the fandom menace, it's not just like, like, like we don't hate people who disagree with us. Uh, if you like The Last Jedi, you're entitled to like The Last Jedi. It's, it's perfectly fine if you like the movie. Um, the, I think a lot of the issue comes down to when we start getting into like toxicity in terms of name calling, in terms of personal attacks and stuff like that. You know, let people like what they like. But if we disagree, you know, let's have a debate about it. Let's not be mean-spirited about it. Uh, a lot of people in the fandom menace, uh, you know, which are people who dislike The Last Jedi and the direction that Disney has taken the franchise and stuff like that, they, they are probably even more passionate about Star Wars than a lot of the defenders are because they love it so much. And that's why they get upset and angry and I guess you could say like negative, um, but it, it comes from a, a place of passion and a lot of people on our side are, are not mean and they, they don't do personal attacks until they get attacked. And so I, th I think that's important to note is that there is respect there for, you know, if people don't like Star Wars or whatever, there's still like, you know, respect for the fandom, respect for the source material. But I think a lot of that gets lost because the people who are defending it tend to focus on personal attacks and say like, oh, if you don't like Ray, you're a misogynist. Or if you don't like Rose Tico, you're a racist. Whereas on the other side of that, we're just like, well, you just have bad taste in movies. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, like that's the, the difference in personal attacks there. It's like, oh, you, you know, you have bad taste in movies. It's like, oh yeah, we're, well, you're a racist and a sexist and a Nazi. 
And like, it's like, how do you compare those two? You don't. Um, so I, I think it's important that we remain civil and we remember that, you know, this is fandom and we can have differences of opinion without being nasty to one another. And we can have, you know, intelligent debates over the merits of, you know, these films and their stories and their filmmaking and the, the direction in which they're going. And I really hope that Lucasfilm at a certain point, the people at Lucasfilm bother to pay attention to some of the criticisms because, you know, these outcries are growing louder and louder. And at a certain point, you know, you ignore them to your own peril because you're going to destroy the very thing that your business is built around if you just give up listening to the fans. And it's not a marginal portion of the fan base either. It's a big portion of the fan base and it's growing daily the more they're disrespected. So I want everyone who loves Star Wars to continue to love Star Wars. And in order to do that, the people, the powers that be, the people who are responsible for making this stuff need to start being more responsive and more res respectful to the fans and their opinions. That's all we ask for is to to be allowed to have a voice, to be allowed to give a, a, uh, an opinion and, you know, to not just only be positive about things that we're, we're just not sure about. We're not completely happy with, but it's coming from a place, like you say, of passion and certainly with us too. You know, this this is this is forty years of of living Star Wars and playing a big part of our lives. And I mean, decades worth. I mean, mm. since you and I were born, we've been. Matthew Kadish, thank you for joining me on the Fandom Menace Show. Uh, glad to be here. Happy to come back whenever you want me. And I swear to God, if you do have me on again, I'm going to get all ten of those questions wrong. <laughs> He's Honestly. determined to I, be I, a man. I, I will watch. I will watch. Uh, the last Jedi before I come on and make sure I know the right answer so I can ensure I get the wrong answer. <laughs> How twisted is that? <laughs>